<laughs> Thank you for DQing the music. I'm Michael Grimes from Morgan Stanley, and Elon Musk needs no introduction. We just flashed up the forward-looking statement disclosure. Please refer to Twitter's forward-looking statement disclosures, uh, Morgan Stanley Research Conference website. Please refer to Tesla's public disclosures from their investor day, because uh, there will be a little bit about Tesla here today. And um, with that, why don't we go ahead and uh, bring you Elon Musk direct. He doesn't get a lot of chances to speak directly to investors for this private company, um, Twitter, so we're going to do that with you directly here today. First is the mission, if you want to call it that. This is what we've heard you say, promote, protect, public conversation, town square of the internet. How would you describe it, the mission of Twitter 2.0 under your ownership, Elon? So the, the goal is to have Twitter be the best source of truth, the most timely and accurate source of truth, uh, even if the truth is something we don't want to hear or unpleasant or whatever, but have it be timely and accurate and really just where, where you can really understand what's going on. And not just um, is something true or not, but, but what is the narrative? So the, the thing that I think most people don't, probably you do, but most people don't quite appreciate is that the media controls the narrative. So there are many things that could be talked about in the world, but only a few things can fit on the front page. So, but Twitter doesn't have a limitation like that. So the, the public can control the narrative and the public can inform themselves as to what the narrative should be. Um, that, that's a really big deal. So it, it's a forum for, I call it citizen journalism or for the, the public to get together and communicate in a way that was never possible before. Um, so you can really know what's going on. Uh, so I, I think that that's really going to be essential for a functioning democracy. So if you say, like, what is the bedrock of uh, a functioning democracy? Um, it, it, it has to be free speech um, and, and a level playing field. Um, that's why it's the First Amendment. Was the first thing they did. Like we've got to we've got to make sure freedom of speech. Um, and why did they do that? It's because where they came from, there wasn't freedom of speech. And once you lose freedom of speech, you don't get it back. So that's why we must protect it at all costs. Thank you. On the core principles, if we want to call them that, you just went over citizen journalism, power to the people, and a level playing field. Uh, that's what you mean by democratic. Um, we've also heard you say core principles of authentic, informative, and entertaining, yeah. accurate, you just went over, and, and brand safe. Um, where are yeah. you on these? Yeah, I mean, I think the, some of these are, um, you know, a little uh, at odds. You know, brand safe, I think, really means, like, where, where advertising is displayed that the advertiser gets to, to choose what material is near that advertising. So if it's something, you know, uh, if it's some sort of like a, like a train accident or a, or a war scene, then probably a family-friendly brand is not going to want to advertise right next to that, you know. Or, you know, it, it, it can't be like, um, here's a, a bleak war scene, would you like to buy a hamburger? Would be like awkward, you know. <coughs> um, 
So that's understandable. You want to put uh, advertising next to content where it makes sense. Um, but, but the content in general needs to be authentic and informative, even if it is controversial or jarring. Um, and yeah, and, and I think people need to be able to choose, you know, to some degree what content they want to see. And of course, on Twitter, you can. Um, so, but really, we want it to be the, 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 the fundamentally it's the place you go to to learn what's going on and get the real story. That, that's what the, 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 the truth, the whole truth. And it's going to be more than, I would like to say nothing but the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, that's hard. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of BS there. Truth and more. There's going to be lies, uh, it's true for sure. Um, but, but, but you want to you have the truth and you want to you bubble up the, the, the truth and be able to sort of sort out. We really want truth with the least amount of error. So, so you've said um, you know, Twitter is alive. Uh, another way that, that's described is it's where news happens, as you just said. So a couple here, Patrick Mahomes and Steph Curry talking to each other, Rihanna speaking uh, directly to her fans. Um, or in crypto, SBF and CZ were having the conversation yeah. directly uh, on Twitter. Yeah, Sam, Altman, <laughs> Sam, Sam Altman, you know, launched uh, ChatGPT, announces it on Twitter. Uh, Paul Graham takes up a tweet on it. You're tweeting on it. Uh, I think 50,000 tweets happened there um, before it was picked up by the mainstream media just in the first couple of days. Yeah. And so, you know, talk to us about how how can the media catch up if they're on Twitter, they can be seeing these tweets and posting yeah. it. If they're not on Twitter, is there no way to catch up? Like, how does the traditional media and citizen journalism and 50,000 tweets on an important subject, how do those intersect and how does the media catch up? Well, just the, 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 as I'm sure many of you have used Twitter, it, the, everything Twitter is happening in real time. So if you contrast that to what's happening in a newspaper, they, they have to learn the information, uh, propose an article to their editor, get it approved, write the article, get it edited, figure out which day it's going to get published on. And so the, the news is actually, the thing that happened is being reported on at, you know, three, four days, sometimes a week late. Um, and if it happens on a weekend, then it's like, yeah, at least three days type of thing. So. Um, you know, ChatGPT was, was huge news for several days on Twitter before there was any news articles about it in major publications. Um, so I think especially if, if one is, uh, say, thinking about investing in things, you want to have information that is as timely and accurate as possible. There's no better source than Twitter for that. That's certainly been my experience. Um, so Paul Graham, who's a legend in tech, a legend on Twitter, I think he has tweeted um, that he's 80% left-leaning, probably, if he had to put him on the scale. So not someone, um, you know, who's not, not deemed and revered by all sides of the spectrum. He has said, you know, consistent with your accuracy point, um, he has said how important accuracy is. And on Twitter, he said, you know, you should be default skeptical of any news story about Twitter and assume it's default wrong, because not only do some journalists have the agenda, but the source has the agenda, and it's so easy to go through the chain of inaccuracy or, um, you know, outright falsehood. Is 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 he right about this? Um, and you know, if so, um, how how can accuracy about Twitter 
and about you <coughs> be conducted by the traditional media, if at all? Does a, does a PR department help, uh, which we no. famously don't have? <laughs> PR departments, I, I, I have, you know, the, the right name for PR is propaganda. Um, and I always thought, you know, like maybe, maybe we should have like a VP of propaganda. That would be, I just, I think just more honest, you know. Uh, and um, also a VP of witchcraft. I thought that would be like, you know, um, those would be two great ones. Uh, so, I mean, the, the, the thing that, <clears throat> I mean, if you, pick, if you pick, like, pick up any given newspaper and go through and read the whole thing and say, how many of those stories are positive about anything at all? It, almost none. So if, if something is newsworthy, it is going to have a negative slant, whether it is positive or not. There's like something in journalism that they've been trained to basically never write a positive story about anything. Um, once in a while you see a puff piece, but it's rare. Um, so anything that's newsworthy will get written about. Anything that's, that's written about will go through a negativity lens, and so you therefore have a a, a bizarrely negative view of, of the world if you draw your information from newspapers. This is simply, I mean, a fact. So um, on, on Twitter, you can get a much more balanced positive-negative uh, situation. Um, it doesn't have that bias quite as much. It's probably still a little bit of negativity bias, but, but much less so. Um, so, it, it, you know, I think it's really... I'm not sure what the legacy media does. I mean, at this point, really. Um, Twitter, Twitter is, by the way, the number one news uh, app in the world. So, in terms of what people download for news, it's it's number one. There's 500 million uh, active users, 250 million uh, daily users, of which I'd say there's probably, you know, 180 million what I call significant daily users, where they're they're, they're it's a meaningful amount of time. So like the average amount of uh, time that people spend on Twitter per day, of that 250 million is around half an hour or so. Um, so what we have is, the thing, the thing that's like, I think most interesting is there's about 120 to 130 million hours of human attention per day on Twitter, every single day on average. Um, which is, I think, comes to a really interesting point, which is to just, it's startling how poorly monetized that is. Because you have to say, like, how valuable is that attention? A hundred, called 130 million hours of, of human attention per day of people that read. So these are the, generally the smartest people in the world, the most influential people in the world, and you have 130 million hours of their time per day. That's a lot. So, uh, it, it, currently, Twitter makes about five or six cents per hour of that time. I, I think this is uh, poorly monetized. <laughs> Paul, Paul Graham's attention, Paul Graham's half hour of attention, is you know, is worth more, more worth more than that. Yeah, I mean, if I'm spending two hours a, a day on Twitter, like, whatever ads are coming through are getting my attention. Right. Um, getting your attention, get, getting everyone in the room's attention, um, your time is incredibly valuable. Um, so now the thing is, we need to actually serve ads that are relevant and, and useful. Um, and I think, I think as we do that, 
we can probably at least get it to like 15 cents an hour, 20 cents an hour. <laughs> yeah, a quarter. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think the actual potential here for Twitter revenue is gigantic. Um, and it's, it's going to be a win-win situation, which is that if you are served advertising that you find timely and relevant that it, with products and services that are useful to you, that's good for you and good for the advertiser. Uh, advertising in the limit of relevance is content. So in the um, next theme that's out there that's a, often an inaccurate narrative is that you're indifferent to misinformation or <coughs> other narratives get put out in the media that you actually want misinformation on Twitter when, as you've just stated, you want it to be the most accurate in the world. So community notes, I'm going to breeze through a couple of these before uh, asking you about them. Um, community notes are the fact-checking by Power of the People on Twitter, yeah. um, so correcting government misstatements from um, the White House, um, correcting candidate misstatement from failed gubernatorial candidate uh, Carrie Lake that Ron DeSantis had been endorsed uh, by George Soros, uh, adding context while the spy balloon was over Billings, Montana to a tweet that could have been taken um, to spiral and mean it had been shot down over Billings with that mm -hmm. photo and adding context to that, um, preventing a conspiracy theory of train derailments are purposeful or nefarious as opposed to 1,700 per year, quickly corrected before a right-wing conspiracy theory could uh, get going. Uh, company misstatements or statements, misstatements about companies, I should say. So the tweet that said, you know, Google set a badge machine to tell you if you were terminated or not and adding context that, no, they had been emailed um, on Coinbase, that they'd been told they had to stop staking by regulators, fact-checked very, very quickly. Um, so how can this scale, this neutral fact-checking, which seems elusive in fact-checking, but Twitter seems to have a handle on it, but yeah. how does it scale and how does it avoid being hijacked by either side of a, an issue or political spectrum <clears throat> trying to hijack community notes to not sure. have it be neutral? Um, yeah, I, there's, a, there's a white paper on community notes that I recommend reading. In fact, I'll tweet it out so that people um, can, can have easy access to it. Um, but the, the, it, because it's really quite a clever idea. Um, it's, it, it, it takes uh, the uh, viewpoint of someone, it, 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 think of it in a way like, like page rank for pages as applied to, to people, which is that as people build credibility in how they review notes, they, they build up enough credibility to actually write notes. Um, and then those notes are then rated by others and depending upon the credibility of, of the people rating your note, your credibility score gets affected. So it's, it's sort of like a, a collection of credibility. Page rank. Page rank, yes, page rank for credibility. But there, were, but there were link farms created in faraway places to, to spam page rank, so that's going to be attempted, <laughs> but you're going to apply your yes, in, in, software in, skills and things to prevent in, that. In order to be a notes contributor, you have to be a verified person. I see. Yeah. Um, so you have to have, uh, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it takes a while to get very, you can't suddenly, you, you will have no, if you just, when you just start out, you will start off with no credibility score. Yeah, so it's um, very hard to link farm. Yes. Um, 
And when we, we, we actively look at uh, any attempts to game the system um, and, sh and shut them down uh, and, and <laughs> remove them from the system if, if, if they're determined to be not real people or if they seem to be uh, brigading. Uh, because there are deliberate attempts to manipulate community notes. Um, we also make the community notes uh, source code is uh, open and available, so you can see, you can basically see everything. So, uh, that's in the white paper, or linked? It's, it's, uh, it, it's, not, it's not on the white paper, but it's available on the internet. Okay, it's available. Yeah, you can search for it. Um, so you can see exactly how community notes is calculating things, what uh, changes are made, to community notes, and we'll keep iterating. Uh, and the goal is to have truth with the least amount of error. Um, so, you know, you could, there's always like, what is truth? Um, uh, and I think the important, like, one way to sort of, for example, say like, if, if someone really aspired to the truth, if they really aspire to the truth, they must acknowledge that there is some probability that what they think is untrue. If somebody thinks there's no probability Zero percent that what they think. Uh, uh, zero, that, that, that somebody thinks that they is, is trying to claim to you that what they're saying is true with 100 percent probability. There's a 100 percent probability they are lying. <laughs> so um, tr tr truth with acknowledged error, where you aim to minimize that error over time. That's what community notes is. Um, I think also uh, once someone gets community noted, um, they think twice about. Uh, being deceptive in the future. So you, you start getting noted a few times, people are like, uh-oh. I know someone who's been community noted. Yeah. Um, so uh, this, no one's immune, meaning um, yes. you've been community <coughs> noted on this uh, CNN, uh, fake Chiron CNN made yes. no such claim um, that, you know, free speech on Twitter by allowing people to speak freely. Yeah. And you were quickly community noted on a satirical tweet, and and community said, "This is not this is not accurate." Um, yeah. Is this the one you tweeted? Community notes for the win. I think you may have. I might have yeah. I mean, the, the important thing is that um, anyone can be noted, including me. And in fact, I wanted to make a, a note of being noted. Um, uh, th that it, the point the point is that if if I can be noted, anyone can be noted, um, including advertisers. So we've we've had a. A few cases where the advertising wasn't accurate and it got noted. <laughs> oh, the mortgage mortgage one, loan money to yourself. I think I saw that. <laughs> loan money to yourself. Yeah, sure. Right, uh, and so, so, but it's your own customer, and they can be noted, and then yes. and then presumably change the ad. Yes, I mean this will I think be very helpful in truth and advertising. Okay. Um, so, like, so I, I can't emphasize enough. The, the goal is rigorous pursuit of the truth, um, <clears throat> aspirationally the whole truth and the least amount of uh, untruth. Yeah. So let's talk back about um, brand safety. We'll go through two, two quick ones here. One narrative that's out there that probably affected advertisers and agencies was Twitter was going to become this hotbed of hate speech. And shortly after the acquisition, there was this bot attack you've talked about mm -hmm. that seemed designed to try to make that a self-fulfilling prophecy, actually, until it was quickly uh, defeated by your your team, and there's 50% less hate speech according to what your team has uh, put out. Yeah. Um, this is a graphic than pre-acquisition. So so not only is it a priority for you, 
but less, ha half as much as before. And then on child sexual exploitation, something that's been so important to you, yep. um, 800K suspended accounts, that's mm -hmm. four times more than in any month um, of the prior year uh, of your ownership, and a 99% reduction um, in successful searches for CSE patterns. So talk to us about how much of a priority this is and how successful you've been at it, but then also presumably more can be done. Yeah, um, I, I, I've repeatedly said to the <coughs> trust and safety team at Twitter that there's, there's, the number one priority, which will always be the number one priority no matter what, is uh, ensuring that uh, children are safe on, on Twitter, that there's no child exploitation. So that is the number one priority always and forever. Um, and what, what I've been told is that we've done more uh, to eliminate this on Twitter in the last four months than has been done in the last 10 years. And it will continue to be number one priority. Um, uh, you know, a hundredfold reduction in CSC search patterns is pretty gigantic, to say the least. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's absolute number one. So, on continued on brand safety, um, you know, this um, Global Alliance for Responsible Media's brand safety floor, the the GARM, um, you know, Twitter business had tweeted out earlier in the year that in testing, 99%, uh, at least 99% of measured ad impressions appeared on contact that exceeded that floor. So, you know, what message yeah. do you have <clears throat> for your advertisers when you're talking to a CMO, to the head of an agency, just in total? I think you touched on this a little, if there's anything to add, but brand safety is, in fact, a top priority with a team all over yeah. it and uh, technology and humans focused on the subject. Yeah, as I said, I mean, with respect to brand safety, it really de it depends a lot on the brand. I mean, if you've got sort of you know, uh, kind of. By the way, it, Disney is 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 a, a major advertiser on on Twitter worldwide. Uh, one of our biggest advertisers. Apple's one of our biggest advertisers. Um, uh, but Disney, of course, wants to, does not want to have their ads next to things that aren't appropriate for a, a family audience. Um, but there are um, other products that are kind of more, you know, R-rated, if you will, um, and. And so they're, they're, they're more comfortable with being, their advertising being um, in the equivalent of like an R-rated movie or something like that. So brand safety varies depending upon what brand you're talking about. Is it a family brand or, or less family brand? Um, but, but advertisers can actually adjust um, how much, uh, w what content they're comfortable having their advertising appear next to. Um, the same is true on TV. Um, so. The you know the, the advertising that you'll see at say 7 p.m. is different from the advertising that you'll see at midnight, um, and is, we have the same functionality on, on Twitter. So it's really up to the, the advertiser what the, where they want to put their content. Um, but, but but I think by far the most important thing is that the advertising is <coughs> is, is effective, that that it is relevant and that it moves the needle for a company. Um, <clears throat> the advertising relevance is is, is is the most gigantic thing, um, and and this this is going to sound totally bizarre, but uh, Twitter did not consider relevance in advertising until three months ago. Um, and in fact, if you've used Twitter for a long time, uh, which probably many of you have, you should say like, how many products have you bought off Twitter? Probably zero. <laughs> Judging by the laughter. Probably zero. So, um, and your time is incredibly valuable. Flamethrower? No one bought a flamethrower? Well, I mean, it's possible that they might have bought things from, you know, 
content-based tweets because the, the, the content that's recommended is reasonably relevant, but the advertising has not been. Um, so as we move to shift towards the, the advertising being relevant and timely, um, the, the, this is really, like I said, advertising that is relevant and timely is information, it is content. Um, and the, the value of the time of 130 million person hours of the smartest people on earth is insanely valuable. Um, and frankly, historically, with the advertising being mostly irrelevant in the past, uh, we've been wasting people's time, and that's not good. Um, going forward, Twitter will, will have very relevant, useful advertising, um, and uh, and because it is, is, is useful, because it is relevant, uh, th there will be a, a, a massive increase in the revenue because it is now useful. Um, so um, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the future. It's been a very difficult four months, but I'm optimistic about the future. Appreciate that. So let's get back to democratic, a democratic platform for all. The um, you know, you, you've said there's no permanent suspensions of anyone uh, on the left. You've brought back both left and right, <coughs> but I think what you've tweeted is you had to unban a lot more on the right because that's who was banned um, yeah. for the most part, but your goal is equally unbanned, complete equal level playing field for all sides of the political spectrum? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the objective reality for anyone looking at Twitter uh, for the longest time was that Twitter was at a, at a massive thumb on the scale on the left side. Um, Twitter would ban and suspend accounts on the right uh, t uh, 10 times more than on the left. So, and that's like and naturally what you'd expect, frankly, because where are we? We're in San Francisco, which is uh, deep, deep blue. Um, so, Twitter was uh, con controlled by the far left. Um, so that the natural thing that would happen then is suppression of, of moderates, not just on the not just suppression of the right, but even suppression of moderate voices. So, but that but that's not conducive to a healthy national dialogue. In order to have a healthy national dialogue, you have to represent the whole country, and you have to represent uh, you know everyone in other countries too. It's got to be, you, you know, that's that's the only way to have a town square, um, and. So yeah, there were disproportionately more accounts unsuspended and unshadow banned on the right because the Twitter had a huge thumb on the scale on the, in favor of the left. So that's but 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 if you say like, have we been suspending accounts on the left? Have we been shadow banning accounts on the left? No, we haven't. So uh, because I, what, what exactly what I said is we were do we are doing, which is to make it an, an even playing field. Um, and you know something is freedom of the speech when it is, when you're hearing speech that, that from someone you don't like and what, and what you're saying, you don't like what they're saying. This, otherwise it's not free speech. And if you don't have that ability, then sooner or later, that, that, that suppression of speech is gonna be turned on you. So it is a good sign if you're seeing people you don't like say things you don't like. That is a good sign, not a bad sign, because it means, and, and provided you can say your piece too. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I think this was fundamental. I mean, the reason I, I did the Twitter acquisition was not because I thought this would be some lucrative gold mine. Um, uh, it, and in fact, it has been arduous and difficult with a massive, with an, you know, and being dumped on every day. Well, that's not the most fun thing in the world. Um, but if we do not have a, a strong foundation of free speech, I, I fear for the future of our civilization. We must have this. That's why I did it. Thank you for doing it. Um, switching gears, um, a, a media narrative that um, you know may have some accuracy, they're not all inaccurate. Um, the code base is difficult to change, tech debt unwieldy, um, you know, Rube Goldberg machine um, is, is a term you've used. So is fractal, this, this, Gold frac fractal Rube Goldberg. This is, yes. this is like at least partially accurate, if not accurate? Uh, yes. Well, uh, yes. Uh, the, the code base is uh, like a Rube Goldberg machine. Um, and uh, when you zoom in on one part of the Rube Goldberg machine, there's another Rube Goldberg machine. And then you, there's another one. Um, this is your penguin. That's suite. what I mean by your the fractal. From you know, a fractal, as you zoom in, it's, it's just another fractal, another fractal, a fract, fractal Rube Goldberg machine. Um, so it, it's uh, quite difficult to keep this thing running, um, and then also difficult to uh, advance the product um, because it, it is really overly complex, um, to say the least. Um, and we'll make a change, what, what appears to be a small change somewhere, that then causes a massive disruption. Um, so, uh, for example, just yesterday, um, we made what we thought was a small change, uh, and we'll, we'll put out the, we, we want to be in the sort of full disclosure of, of everything, including the, you know, gruesome details. Uh, so, uh, but, but essentially there was, um, uh, what, what was supposed to be a small change to 1% of the Twitter user base ended up being a catastrophic change to 100% of the Twitter user base. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, no, we don't have enough time to go into the details, but um, there, there was, a, there was a, a Boolean flag in the Twitter front end that, sh that should not have been there. <laughs> um, and uh, we, we, no, we fixed that. Um, but, but it, it, I mean, let me give you like a, a silly example. At one point, we um, there was a problem with Twitter Spaces where suspended users were able to join conversations even though they were suspended, and we temporarily uh, turned off uh, access to Twitter Spaces, which is um, which then made someone anyone who is using the Twitter Android app unable to like tweets. Now, how those things are connected? Is not clear. So if you were <laughs> in the Rube Goldberg, practically. That's what I'm saying. The Rube, so if you had an, an, an iOS app, you could like tweets. If you were on the web app, you could like tweets, but not if you had an Android app because of spaces. And you're like, what? Um, so you know, we're, so one of the things we're doing. There's a lot of work behind the scenes in simplifying the code base, um, getting rid of extraneous features. Um, and enabling t uh, Twitter to evolve more rapidly in the future. But it requires a lot of cleanup, essentially. Um, yeah. 
so you know you you've grown um, users despite this lean engineering team and the <coughs> and the the code base being unwieldy and cloud spend forty percent down cut out a data center. Mm -hmm. Is this due to the, the strength of the engineering team that you've been able to achieve this and introduce subscription and other features while trying to hold it all together? And, and, and where does that engineering team go to accomplish both the code base enhancements and all the features you've said you want to introduce? Yeah, I mean, I think on balance we're doing okay because, um, and, and just to give you a sense of where things were, uh, at the close of acquisition on, say, October 29th, um, Twitter was tracking to a negative $3 billion a year burn rate um, and had $1 billion in the bank. So that's a pretty dire situation. Um, it, 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 if, 20, if 2023 had been a normal year, um, Twitter would have done something on the order of $4.5 billion in revenue, $4.5 billion in cost, roughly break even, um, but when you add one and a half billion of debt servicing to that and um, a um, massive decline in advertising, um, some of it's cyclic, some of it political, uh, but, but call it at least a 50% decline in revenue, uh, roughly 50% decline in revenue, um, you've got o over $3 billion negative. Um, now Twitter has some revenue that's not uh, advertising based, so um, data services. Data. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, they, um, so, yeah, data subscriptions and whatnot. Um, so, but it was it w in the absence of action, um, Twitter would have had six billion in cost and three billion in revenue, so minus three billion, and with a billion in the bank. So, it would have gone bankrupt in four months. Um, so, so immediate and drastic action had to be taken. Um, which, which, which was, and so we actually have now cut the burn to, the, 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 the non-interest uh, burn to uh, roughly uh, one and a half billion. So we've got a billion and a half of debt servicing and a billion and a half of, of expenditures. Uh, we we uh, went from th three data centers to two um, and reduced our cloud expenditures uh, significantly. Um, and um, while at the same time having the fastest product evolution in Twitter's history. So overall, not bad. Um, there have been a few bumps along the road, obviously, but uh, this is to be expected. Um, and now I think we have the opportunity to grow it into something quite spectacular. Um, we, we, we have the highest uh, total user minutes uh, in, in Twitter history. Uh, so the, 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 the real number to care about is actually not the uh, MDAO monthly, which is theoretically monetizable daily active users, but it's, it's user time. Um, how many total user hours per day do you have? Um, that's, the, that's the real figure of merit. Because one could, for example, say, uh, go to 300 million daily active users, but if they spent less time on the system, uh, cumulatively, that would actually be a downgrade. Um, it's how much human attention are you worth? Um, and th that's where I think, like I said, that the really profound thing is 
what Twitter has is roughly 130 million hours of the smartest, most influential people on earth every single day. There's, there's nothing else that has that. I mean, there are social networks that, are, that have more users, but they do not have the smart, influential people. They, they don't have you. So the, <clears throat> if I do the math on what you've said about um, the advertiser pause and revenue decline and the cost uh, changes, um, it's EBITDA profitable today, and then you're looking for cash flow break even after debt service. <laughs> well, it's EBITDA profitable, but the, yeah. the, the, the D in the EBITDA the is quite big. The D is big. <laughs> right. When do you get to cash flow break even like, with the D? When do you get to cash flow break even after that D? This is where we need to focus on the E part. Uh, yes. Uh, I hope we pay taxes. Um. And the T. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, like I said, I mean, we're, we're getting to the point where we're close to having the total expenditures for the company, excluding debt, roughly equal to the debt. Okay. Um, Cash flow. Yeah, that's what I think. Like I think we'll be there in Q2. In Q2. Um, and then, like I don't, I definitely don't want to count uh, chickens before the hacks hatch or jinx it or anything. But I, I think we've got a shot at uh, being cash flow positive uh, next quarter in Q2. Okay. So that'll, some of that will depend on advertisers, so we'll talk quickly about advertising. You've mentioned it a few times. Um, the value uh, is clear, 147 billion impressions uh, on Twitter of World Cup 22 and 50% year-over-year growth in NFL video views, um, you know, 39% increase in Super Bowl mentions, the NFL putting out engagements never been higher, <coughs> and then WPP CEO Mark Reed said, 10 days or however long ago this was, February 24, Twitter seems to be more stable, um, and I think clients, advertising clients presumably here, um, will look about coming back to Twitter. So are you in touch with agency and, and CMOs, and is, is this yes. the theme? I think we just saw uh, McDonald's or others mm -hmm. um, coming back as they realize you are absolutely focused on the things you were said not to be focused on in terms of uh, brand safety, et, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the really, um, what I'd say to advertisers and brands is, you know, use Twitter yourself and believe what you see on Twitter, not what you read in the newspapers. Because what you see on Twitter is the real thing, and what you read in newspapers is not. Um, and um, I'd like to thank uh, Mark Reed and WPP for their support, um, and publicists and, and others, uh, and for the advertisers that have stuck with us, uh, like Disney and Apple. Thank you. So that's brand advertising. You've mentioned a few times performance advertising. I think I've heard your story about um, White Lotus, which maybe we can, you can share <laughs> yeah. here. Um, you know, performance-based advertising has been very lucrative for other companies and yeah. can be made more relevant on a more narrow cast basis, if you will, than, than pure brand advertising. Mm -hmm. So when, when do you introduce performance-based advertising and, and scale it? Oh, uh, we, 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 we introduce from the, from the moment the acquisition closes, like we have to have performance-based advertising is really just advertising that is relevant. Relevant. <laughs> In fact, we should really have aspirationally zero non-performance-based non. advertising. Um, you know, we, we want advertising that matters. Uh, people's attention is precious. We should not serve them ads that are annoying or, or irrelevant or strident or ugly. Um, 
And it's interesting you mentioned White Lotus. I actually was talking to David Zaslav, who's great, um, and he was like, hey, why can't we put a White Lotus uh, uh, trailer every time someone mentions White Lotus on Twitter? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> so, like, one of the like super obvious but profound things that we're doing is enabling keyword advertising so that you can enter the keywords and uh, like White Lotus, and if somebody mentions White Lotus, you put the White Lotus trailer there. I mean, this sounds very obvious. Um, <laughs> you don't need GPT-3 for this. We don't need advanced AI for this one. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's sort of just Google AdWords, but applied to tweets and, and the home timeline and replies and everywhere else. Because um, you'll often have very sort of long, deep conversations, people going on talking about movies, TV products and whatnot, and uh, that's the perfect opportunity for advertisers to pr provide their message. Um, you know, if I think about something, for example, like, like Starlink, um, which does, does advertise in various media, uh, for Starlink uh, um, would want to advertise to users in, in regions that are not already saturated. So Starlink t tends to be saturated in urban areas, uh, but is not saturated in uh, rural areas. And so what Starlink would like to do is like to say, please um, show the ad in to, to rural users with a slow connection. And then the, and the simple message is, do you want faster internet for less money? <laughs> Click. <laughs> Probably you do. <laughs> and Twitter needs to be able to do a simple thing like that, and it will be. Um, and in fact, it, it, it is already able to do that, we just haven't fully rolled it out. So we're, we're, we're I think, around 20%-ish, but by the end of this year, almost all advertising will be, should be reasonably relevant. And that, your, your Starlink example comes back to your disposable income, if you want, or the education level and the ability to buy and afford the Starlink subscription of the Twitter user. Like, it, it also dovetails back yeah. into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, you know, I think there's also an opportunity here to uh, have, have advertising be uh, much, like, like really improve the relevance of advertising using um, AI in the sense that if you, based on what uh, tweets somebody views, likes, and whatever, you, you can actually populate a parameter space, uh, an M, you know, ML parameter space, and then you can take an ad, and even if you t say nothing about that ad, after it's dropped in the Twitter system and it has 10,000 views, you populate a parameter space of, that, of, of the ad, and then you correlate the user parameter space and the ad parameter space, and then you don't need to do any demographic targeting, because you could be like, say it's a, a gardening ad. Well, you could be 20, 30, 40, you could be 70 years old, any sex, whatever, it doesn't matter. What matters is you like gardening. Um, and that's the ad that should be shown. And so I think we can get away from a lot of the sort of targeting by age range and sex and whatever uh, in, in favor of targeting by interest. Um, and, and, and a lot of these sort of demographic targeting was done coming from a TV or newspaper era where, where you don't have interaction with the user. You just have to kind of guess because it's a one-way street in TV. Um, 
But on Twitter, it's not a one-way street. There's continuous interaction. Um, so I think we can just have a profoundly more useful uh, advertising experience. So let's close on Twitter before getting to um, another couple companies I've heard that you run. The vision you're building towards, I think you've called it X or the Everything app. Yeah. Tell us about it. You know, beyond just improving the advertising and, and um, you know, what will we be able to do on Twitter in your, in your grandest vision? Yeah, so, so X, uh, X.com is, uh, you, know, you know, so, so I think it's possible to create a very powerful um, finance experience, basically. Um, kind of, like, like PayPal is kind of like a halfway version of what I think could be done. Um, in, in payments and finance, um, and so, so you, you want to be like, let's say, you, like you want to be able to to send money easily from one account on X slash Twitter to another account effortlessly with one click. Um, you want to be able to, I think, earn, earn interest on the money. You want to be able to um, have debt, so you can so your interest can go negative. Uh, I mean, basically, I think it's possible to become the biggest financial institution in the world. So, uh, just by providing people with convenient uh, payment options, um, we don't have the time to go into it in detail here, except uh, we, if we just make the app more and more useful, uh, people will use it more, and it'll be great. I mean, yeah, so you'll, you'll, you'll see. <coughs> Okay. Um, at, um, we're still on Twitter for a moment, but we had, uh, you know, in Austin, thank you for hosting uh, at the Investor Day, and you showcased 16 executives uh, on stage at, at various times um, with you, an incredibly uh, deep and built-out management team. And I think the executive team um, with you at Twitter, um, you know, is perhaps a bit leaner. Let's <laughs> um, just, maybe there's a media narrative here that's accurate. So Look, he, he does have a black turtleneck. <laughs> so, so you need anything more? I don't think so. So, so, so when when does the Twitter management team have that bench, like you showcased uh, at the Gigafactory? Well, I think it takes it takes a long time to build a strong management team, um, and the, the you know we built the the Tesla management team over 20 years. Um, so, uh, I think Twitter is an easier problem than, than Tesla uh, by, a, by a long shot. Um, so, but it'll take some time to, to build the team and, I don't know, probably a few years. Okay. Um, yeah. And um, switching gears, uh, you shared uh, Master Plan 3 at the Gigafactory and, and you know, the edit uh, that, that came to my mind was, you know, Master Planet after your, your first piece there on um, sustainable energy for all of Earth. Can you, can you take us through that uh, positive, optimistic, uh, mathematically uh, underpinned vision for our planet? Okay, there's not a lot, a lot of time to do that, but um, the, the, I guess the, 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 the overall message is that um, w we can absolutely make Earth uh, to turn Earth into a sustainable energy economy, fully sustainable, uh, using lithium-ion batteries, 
solar, wind, as well as geothermal, nuclear, and other things, but primarily it'll be solar and wind um, and lithium-ion batteries. And our calculation is you need roughly 240 terawatt hours of lithium-ion batteries. Um, most of those will be uh, iron phosphate, lithium, uh, of the iron phosphate variety, in other words, with a primarily iron cathode, which is a plentiful material. In fact, Earth is uh, the, the, the number one element on Earth is actually iron, a little factoid. Uh, I think Earth by mass is about 32% iron and about 30% oxygen, and then everything else is miscellaneous. Um, so we're like a muddy rust bowl. Um, uh, so plenty of iron. It, basically, the, the, the materials are needed for, uh, to make 240 terawatt hours of batteries are, are actually plentiful on Earth. Um, we don't need to mow down the Amazon um, or anything like that. Uh, we don't need to basically do, do, do uh, anything terrible to the environment to create uh, 240 terawatt hours of batteries. In fact, uh, there will be less mining required um, in a sustainable energy economy than is currently required. Um, uh, really, this is a message of, of, of hope and optimism grounded in physical reality. It is not wishful thinking. Um, so, we should be excited and inspired about the future. And I'm not suggesting complacency um, or anything like that, or that we should, but, and, we, and getting there faster is better than, better than getting there slower. But, but what, what we don't need to live some terrible, austere life um, and give up the things that we like. You can have the things that you like, in fact, even more of them, <laughs> and the environment can be good. All the good things are, are possible, is what I'm saying. There's, we should be excited and optimistic about the future. We, should, we need to go build it. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, but you, you should not feel sad about the future regarding sustainable energy. Uh, it, it will happen. We just want to make it happen faster rather than slower. <clears throat> so that was the first big takeaway. You know, the, the next one that I had was this, your, your next phase of vertical integration, the relentless first principles thinking on vehicle design, battery design, factory optimization, you know, at the same time uh, as the vehicle that could lead to a, a target, I guess, of this, you know, 50% uh, step change in cost when the new gen um, uh, eventually comes around. Um, can you just take us through the, the quick summary of that, and, and it unlocks the next uh, wave of the TAM because there's price elasticity. Is is the, what you were sharing on this subject is the second big takeaway for Tesla? Um, yeah, I mean there's a, there's a clear path to uh, making a vehicle, a smaller vehicle that is roughly half the production cost and difficulty of our of Model Three. Um, that vehicle will be, uh, or, you know, really used almost entirely in autonomous mode. The, the, the thing that is really gigantic uh, for, for, for Tesla is autonomy. Um, and if people have used the Tesla full self-driving and have seen how rapidly the full self-driving capability has been evolving, um, it, it, it should be obvious that that is by far the most profound thing. Um, the, 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 the sort of total addressable market stuff 
it's like, guys, you're, this is like actually not the right way to think about it. It's, it's like um, passenger vehicles right now only see about 10, 10 to 12 hours of use per week. Um, there's 168 hours in a week. If those vehicles are, are autonomous, they're probably going to get used for 50 or 60 hours a week. That's a 5x increase in the value of a car, but, and it costs the same to make the car. At, at that point, you basically have software margins in a hardware product. It's insane. Um, total addressable market is everyone, all humans. It's powerful. So let's switch gears to SpaceX um, <coughs> hitting uh, first Starlink. What can you tell us about Starlink and the, the scale and, and deployment and how that's going? Yeah, Starlink, the Starlink team is doing an amazing job. Um, more than half of all satellites uh, in orbit right now are Starlink satellites. Um, so if you add up all satellites launched cumulatively, they are less than Starlink. Um, so Starlink is, is currently providing global connectivity. You can get connecti connectivity anywhere on Earth from the most remote part of Antarctica to San Francisco, anywhere. It's full global connectivity, high bandwidth, and low latency. The latency is important because unless you're in low Earth orbit, you cannot get uh, low latency. The geostationary satellites um, are up, uh, you know, um, <laughs> it's um, very, very high. You've sort of got uh, sometimes up to a second of, of latency uh, on, from, from a geostationary satellite, all things inclusive. Whereas uh, with Starlink satellites, uh, we believe we can get the latency under 20 milliseconds. Um, so, um, and, and in fact, for international communications, um, an interesting thing is that in fiber, uh, light travels much slower than in aerial vacuum. So uh, in r rough approximation, uh, light travels about 300 kilometers per millisecond in air and vacuum, uh, but only just r roughly over 200 kilometers per second, uh, per, per millisecond in, in fiber. Um, so, so you've got like a, a sort of on roughly 40% increase in speed of light um, go, going through the, the Starlink system than through through fiber, and, and it can also follow a more direct route instead of following the, the, the sort of uh, coastline of the continents, it, it, it can actually um, have a more direct route. So it's a, fa it's, it's a shorter route and, and inherently faster from a physics standpoint. So it, it, it connects the world um, way better than fiber. Um, and, and it will provide and is providing connectivity to people that either never had it before or where their options were extremely expensive um, or very low bandwidth. So it's helping out a lot of communities that uh, never, never had access, especially when you consider that education is, is digital these days. Uh, that's really how you can learn anything. You can basically learn anything, you can, you can basically learn anything for free on the internet, if you have the internet. Um, so in terms of providing education uh, abilities to remote communities, uh, Starlink is, is doing a lot of good in that regard. <clears throat> Lastly, um, you know, the launch, whether, you know, Falcon 9 heavy or Starship, I think you had the <coughs> static fire test. 
that, that went well, and, and uh, what can you tell us about the next, next phase on launch for Starship? Yeah, so we're getting ready for the first launch of, of Starship. This is a very difficult program. Um, the, the rocket is um, roughly two and a half times the thrust of a Saturn V. So if it, went, or, if or once it reaches orbit, it will be uh, by far the biggest rocket to reach orbit. But more importantly, it is designed to be the first fully reusable rocket, orbital rocket uh, ever. So the, the key to uh, extending life beyond Earth is a fully and rapidly reusable orbital rocket. Um, this is a very hard problem given the constraints of, of Earth. With Earth has a thick atmosphere and strong gravity. It is only barely possible to do this. Um, that is why it has not been done before. Um, so, but we are getting we are getting close for our first orbital attempt of, of Starship. Um, hopefully, in the next month or so, we'll, we'll have our first attempt. I'm not saying it'll get to orbit, but I am guaranteeing excitement. Um, <coughs> um, so, it won't be boring. Um, I think, I think it's got, a, I don't know, hopefully above 50% chance of reaching orbit. Um, and, uh, and then we, we've got, we're building a, a whole series of starships in, in South Texas. Um, and so I think we've got, I don't know, hopefully about an 80% chance of reaching orbit this year. It'll probably take us a couple more years to achieve uh, full and rapid reusability, um, which I can't, I can't emphasize enough is it is, the, it is the profound breakthrough that is needed to extend life beyond Earth. Um, because it, it, it lowers the cost of access to space by orders of magnitude. Um, in the same way that if, 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 let's say there were no airplanes that were reusable, um, how expensive would air flight be? It would be insane. Um, you'd have to buy a new airplane every time you flew somewhere. And you'd have to tow a small airplane behind you for the return flight. So, uh, you know, that's just you're not going to scale. Um, so, assuming things go, go well there, this, this vehicle is, it, it, it could make life multiplanetary. That's a really big deal. Uh, it could make li life on Mars real. And I think that's, uh, I mean, that's one of the great filters that, that any civilization has to pass through, which is, does the civilization become multiplanetary or not. Um, this is one of the elements of the Fermi paradox. I mean, I, I, I sort of wonder that if we are able to get to multiplanetary, that'll be a forcing function for ultimately get, improving space flight to become multistellar, to go to other star systems. And I think we may discover that there are many long dead one planet civilizations. Um, we don't want to be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to be one of those lame one planets. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap on that. Thank you, Elon Musk. All right, thanks. <laughs>